You're a real crumb bum. Can you feel that? Can you feel what's about to happen on this field, man? So now it's fourth and 26. You want Philly food? This is Miracle in the Meadowlands, number two. And the Eagles fans. The Eagles fans. Eagles fans everywhere. This is for you. All right, welcome to your new favorite podcast for Eagles news and discussion. I'm Eric, and we are the Philly Specialists. We are uh, excited to be coming to you today with episode one. And I'm his co-host, Dom, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Shout out to the people who uh, remember my drunk phone calls. Um, Just want to give you a little information about ourselves. We've been friends for about 15 years outside of the Vans fiasco, Uh, and... (laughs) And uh, we've been watching football since probably before I can remember. Uh, I think both of us can probably agree that the Philadelphia Eagles are about our main source of happiness and sadness week in and week out for most of our lives. Would you agree there, Eric? I'm very sad right now, <laughs> so I, yes. Yes, yes. I, uh, I wake up every day miserable because of this damn team. Speaking of which, uh, one of the main reasons we are so miserable uh, recently was the 2020 season. And our first topic in this podcast is going to be who we believe between our quarterback Carson Wentz or soon to be former quarterback Carson Wentz, uh, Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson, who is truly to blame. Uh, and, and we're going to get into that into a little more detail here uh, right now. Yeah. So I know that the popular consensus right now is that Howie has to shoulder like a lot of the blame, like pretty much all of the blame. Um, but I have a little bit of a different take. I think that Doug, I think that Doug and Doug's staff have shown a complete inability to develop players over the last five years. I mean, you go back even to 2017, where we were dominant. Mm-hmm. It was a team made of vets, and so the young guys that were getting drafted and were coming up, they weren't really the feature of that team. You think back to the stars. Think back about. The Chris Longs, the LeGarrette Blunts of the world, like, like those guys, and that that list goes on for a while. Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, all the stars had kind of been around. They didn't come up in 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 Doug's system, in Doug's coaching sphere, and so as those guys went away, the issues kind of got laid bare, where the young guys that were drafted by Doug or young under Doug never really developed, and now a few years later that the bottom kind of falls out. Mm -hmm. And so I I don't know if this whole, oh, Howie Roseman is awful, his drafts are terrible, he doesn't have enough pro bowlers. I don't know how you can make a fair assessment about that when the player development's been so bad. Yeah, I mean, mean, that's that's a great point. But I would like to, you know, let's let's look at this at a macro view. If you had to split this between Doug... Howie and Wentz, and, and do it in a percentage basis. Who do you think shoulders the most of the weight? It seems like you would think that it's Doug Peterson, and then you know break it out between the other two, and and, and kind of you know see where the blame should have fallen and uh, where we are now. Yeah, Howie's far from sinless. You know, I mean, I'm not saying I don't even know that he should be the guy moving forward because evidently the players hate him, and that's a big problem. But if I had to put a percentage, a number on it, I would probably say that Doug shoulders like 50% of the blame and Howie shoulders like 35, leaving Carson 15, which I think we'll uh, we'll probably talk about later. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I think we, you know, we're going to get into into detail as a whole. And I, I do see uh, your perspective on that, and I, I think we, you know, we both can say Doug is probably one of the main culprits of why the season was such a uh, catastrophe. But uh, the way I have always seen it, and and clearly we're going to get into this in our next segment here on Wentz versus Hurts. I, I I blame a lot of 2020 on Wentz. I probably put it more 40% on Wentz, about 35% on Doug, and about 15% on Howie. Uh, I do agree with you with, with Howie. I think he is the new fun thing to hate on in Philadelphia sports. But uh, And there's always a fun thing. Yeah, there's, there's, always... there's always something that we all hate together. Whether that had been uh, going back, it was Donovan McNabb. Before that, when I was a kid, it was Eric Lindros. Before that, it was... Scott Rowland, you know, we all seem to fall into this Philadelphia groupthink where we all hate the same person, and it doesn't really matter what stats or or evidence behind it or this or the context of the situation. It's because uh, you know someone on WIP has decided that he is the main reason for our failures that we all hate him together. And I think a lot of people need to start taking some time to to think about something in terms of as a whole picture here. And I think that's why I believe it's Carson Wentz. And I can see why you would think it was Doug Peterson. Well, I think you made a good point. Um, the Philadelphia sports media sphere and like the toxicity it's, it's been bad. Like the Carson, the vitriol that people are like suddenly feeling for Carson Wentz is insane. And like, if you don't think he's the guy, that's okay. But like some of what people are saying is just, just nutty. Like, just totally nuts. And I think that Howie kind of takes a little bit of that pressure, too. You know, like, he's he's not great. He's not amazing. And, it you know, he, he's great with a cap, and he's got problems with, I, I guess he's got problems with drafting and stuff like that. There's a lot of picks where you would question it. But I still feel like we just don't have an accurate representation of how good or bad he is right now, at least for the last few years. Because I think that that coaching issue is apparent. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're right. I mean, toxic masculinity is plaguing our society. And, <laughs> and, uh, but all kidding aside. Uh, Jerk off. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I don't get the hate for Howie as much as, as most people do. And, and I think that Doug, you know, in taking phrases from Andy Reid, I, I, I don't put my players in a position to win. I, I can't look at anything that Doug Peterson has ever done where where this year and, and maybe even 2019 where he's put his team in a position to win. And 2019 was, was a, a really special year in terms of uh, the team as a whole kind of overcoming that. But I, I think that Carson Wentz has gotten too much of the credit and probably too much of the blame in 2020. But I think uh, the real Carson Wentz is never going to be that 20, 2017 Carson Wentz. And I think... Uh, looking at this team as a whole and having Howie as the guy who stays, by my math and by my percentage breakout, I think the right guy's staying. And uh, I know that's not going to be a popular opinion. I know a lot of people are going to feel one way or another about that and say that uh, you know he hasn't hit on draft picks. But uh, I'm sure you have an opinion about that because I think Howie's drafting good talent, and I just don't know if he's being developed. Uh, you know that talent is being developed, and you know but. I see the players that he's drafted over the last two years. People were excited about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. People were excited about Jalen Rager. Uh, and to a certain degree, uh, he's also hit on Miles Sanders. He's hit 
on uh, Dallas Goddard. He's hit, and maybe it's to uh, Stoutland's credit, uh, he's hit on Mylotta. So he's hit on players, and, and I feel like that gets kind of looked over. So yeah. so I think we're going to be the only podcast uh, in Philadelphia right now that are going to be Howie apologists. Uh, for better or for worse, at least you're going to get a new perspective on it. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think that um, I think that JJ Arcega Whiteside is the the best example. I think you named the best possible example. People get so hung up on the DK Metcalf aspect of the JJ pick that they forget that JJ Arcega Whiteside was graded as a second round pick. He was picked right where he was supposed to be. It wasn't like a reach. It wasn't some guy like some Danny Watkins pick from the middle of Jabip. Didn't make any sense. He should have been in the seventh. Like It was nothing goofy like that. He was taken where he was supposed to be taken. And then he was handed over as a second-round graded wide receiver to a coaching staff. And for two years, he couldn't get on the field. He couldn't learn the playbook. He couldn't run the routes. You have to ask yourself, like, at some point, why is this happening? It can't just be that the drafting is bad. If I had you throw a dart at a dartboard with names on it with every player eligible in the draft, you'd hit. Odds are you'd hit. People are saying that he had 100 draft picks or whatever the hell without a pro bowler. It's much harder to develop a young player than it is to get lucky with the draft. I mean, we know the draft is a crapshoot as it is, even mm-hmm. in the early rounds. I mean, especially in the later rounds, but early, even in the early rounds, it's a little bit of a crapshoot anyway. So I have a hard time believing that this dude didn't get lucky once. If I had to guess where the failing was, the first place I would check would be the coaches. If it were just JJR like a white side, then maybe, maybe I wouldn't feel this way. But this is a pattern. Sidney Jones was drafted. Got him for a steal in the second round, right? Couldn't figure out a way to get him to get him on the field. Not that he's a world beater, but he just played 16 games for for uh, the Jags, and he was good. Razul Douglas couldn't figure out a way, even though he showed flashes. Couldn't figure out a way to get him on the field consistently to get him to play well. He just had his best year in Carolina, and again, not a world beater. Although for the first half of the year, he was I think he was like top 10, top 15 corners. Not an amazing player, but they found a way. They made him effective. Nelson Aguilar, not drafted by Doug, but you had you you were you squeezed one good year out of the guy, and that was it. Now he went to Vegas. Still has a little case of the dropsies, but he had his most effective year. He had a 2017 type of year. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's what bothers me the most about Doug. I I I am obviously a huge Doug fan. I mean, I appreciate everything he did for the city. But when I look at him, and I, I keep going back to putting position, uh, putting players in a position to be successful, and I don't know if I've ever felt that Doug has maximized anybody's usage in a way that they're the most talented. And on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, you got to put that on Swartz, but still, Swartz has his favorites. So if you're gonna um, if you're gonna blame Howie Roseman for drafting a player that like I, I look last year at Kayvon Wallace, who I was in love with as a player. I mean, he played. At Clemson, he was a stud. He's an athlete. He's a freak. And yet, he doesn't get snaps over Jalen Mills, who's moving over from corner. When you were hurt at corner, it's just it's just craziness to me that we're, we're sitting here arguing over whose fault it is when I don't know if any player has ever felt like they are put in a position to be successful. Jalen Rager, Jalen Hurts, Devin Taylor, Kayvon Wallace, and Jack Driscoll. 
Those are your first four rounds of, of drafting. How many snaps do you see for those guys until this benching where you felt, oh, yeah, this, this is the best use of this player's ability and talent? Well, it's funny you bring up Hurts because I think he was like a – like an experiment mm-hmm. from the rip. And like, I don't think he was ever intended to be at least like at the time of drafting. I think it was just Howie wanting to be the smartest guy in the room. And like I said, he's not sinless. I'll defend him to, to a point, but he just wanted to be the smartest guy in the room again. And that seems to be the Eagles MO. And, you know, he thought he was going to reinvent the wheel and have like a Taysom Hill kind of whatever, and the fact of the matter is, Taysom Hill's valuable because they got him for, like, nothing. He costed nothing when they brought him in. They didn't waste a second-round pick for a guy that's going to play five, six snaps a game. And and there's no way they foresaw the issues that Carson Wentz would have. So I have to wonder, you know, what was that about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that's a, that's a good uh, transition over here to, to Jalen Hurts. I think we have very differing opinions. I think we can... We can close out this segment that uh, the right man got fired. I think the person who was uh, truly at most uh, in terms of blame is the one who lost his job. And I think we can talk about here uh, where we kind of disagree with the secondary man, which is, uh, I think, in your eyes, it was Howie. But Carson Wentz, I I saw him as just as to blame, if not uh, almost a little more than Doug in uh, in terms of blame, in terms of who was the cause for this 2020 mishap and uh, kind of defend the idea of moving forward with Jalen Hurts over Carson Wentz, given the uh, given the scenario that the Eagles are in right now. Eric and I have very different, different opinions when it comes to the Jalen Hurts versus Carson Wentz. So I think we want to touch on that and, and kind of let Eric go through his, his opinion of Carson Wentz moving forward, and then I'll probably jump in and, and just demolish his argument and let everybody know that Jalen Hurts is the future. I think that we agree a little bit more than you think. Um, I agree with you that in 2021, Jalen Hurts will and has to be the starter. He's got to be QB1. The issue is we kind of have to have two simultaneous conversations, right? Mm -hmm. It's not really about who's the better player or who will be the better player. The Eagles have to start Jalen Hurts for political reasons. Carson Wentz played terrible in 2020. There's no doubt about it. He was bad. But that's not why Carson Wentz isn't the starter in 2021. Carson Wentz isn't the starter in 2021 because he wants out. The Eagles know he wants out. Jalen Hurts was drafted in the second round. Philadelphia has an incessant need to love and adore backups. And then a year later, they hate them. This is just what we do. The case for Wentz over Hurts is about ceiling and nothing else. The fact of the matter is, quarterbacks right now, are in high demand. I mean, how many teams right now, I'm not even, without even looking at anything, how many teams are looking for, for a quarterback? The Niners are looking. The Broncos are looking. The Colts are looking. Uh, Chicago's looking. Carolina. The, the Jets are going to probably draft one. Carolina's probably looking for a replacement for Teddy Bridgewater. There's there's teams all over the place. It's it's everywhere. It's an epidemic almost. There's like 10 teams that are that are interested in quarterbacks. They don't come around that often franchise quarterbacks, and if you believe, like I believe, that Carson Wentz's ceiling is a quarterback that can win a Super Bowl, then I I don't see why we should gamble 
and say, oh, well, maybe maybe Hertz will be that guy. I don't think we saw anything in 2020 that would make him think, make me think that he's that guy. But again, we just talked about the problems with uh, player development. We all know about Press Taylor and the fact that we don't think he's very good. And so, sure, the, the, the same issues that plagued Carson Wentz about having a dilapidated offensive line, throwing to used car salesmen for the most part, th- those issues could have plagued Hurts, and maybe he will turn out to be a good player. But as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to quarterbacks, which are already in high demand, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. You've got a guy who you know can be a winning quarterback. And I'm, I'm not going back to 2017. A lot of people like to act like 2017 was the last opportunity. Wentz was this amazing player in 2017. He'll never get back there. We'll never win with him because of the injuries, and that's it. But in 2019, he had 4,000 yards without a 500-yard receiver. He had seven interceptions at 27 touchdowns. He had a 63.9% completion rating. Not amazing. But bear in mind you were dealing with a receiving core that dropped like almost 8% of passes, which is high. They were dropping passes all over the field. He had a 93.1 quarterback rating, and I know people don't think that that's the, that QBR is really like that important, but we watch those games together, you and me, and I think that you and a lot of people are kind of going through this, like, I'm mad at Carson, so I'm going to have like revisionist history shit. The fact of the matter is, we watched him drag the lifeless corpse of the 2019 Eagles into relevance. They were 9-7. and seven. They, they should have been a 12-win team. If not for three drops, they would have been a 12-win team. If they had regressed to like just the, just the mean of what the average drop rate is, they would have had additional wins. They would have been better. His stats would have looked better. The team was bad last year, and he made them relevant. Is it any wonder that in 2020, it just wasn't good enough? Coupled with, coupled with the fact that for five years, outside of the DeFlippo and Reich year, he hasn't been coached. We know how terrible Mike Groh was as the OC. We know how bad the, the, the offense was last year. It was stagnant. The same as 2020. It was stagnant. It was predictable. It was boring. And now this year, he's got another year of Press Taylor, where he's making rookie mistakes five years into his career and at some point you got to ask yourself if this is a pattern with guys like who you brought up Jalen Mills with guys like who we were talking about Roswell Douglas Sidney Jones Nelson Aguilar to a lesser degree there's a lot of guys who have just gone years without coaching they're still they're fifth year rookies for some of them Mm -hmm. and if that's true and we can accept that that's true for all these guys we have to accept that that's maybe true for Wentz but we know what his ceiling is and if his ceiling is that high, I just don't want to gamble and hope and pray. Maybe Hurts can be that good. Maybe Hurts can be a guy that can win Super Bowls. You have one here. And lastly, and, and most importantly, I think it's just terrible asset management. You're taking a $34 million cap hit no matter what you do. God forbid if you don't get a trade partner, you have to cut them. They say they'll keep them on the team. Man... I can't help but think that a first-year head coach with a second-year quarterback in this situation isn't going to want that kind of ugliness in his locker room. And so you may be forced to cut a guy who then costs $54 million against your dead cap. 
right? So if you're going to eat 34 no matter what you do, and you've got Jalen Hurts on a rookie deal, and no matter what happens in 2022, if you decide to roll with Wentz and see what you got, Jalen Hurts is still there. Now, I know, again, that the political issue is what it is, and, and you may be forced, but from a talent perspective, I just don't think it makes sense. I think you made a lot of good points there, and I, I think, you know, I'm going to be the first person to tell you this, and uh, my opinion of Carson Wentz has changed drastically over the last six months. I'll tell you right now, um, my girlfriend got a red cat two years ago. Uh, I hate cats, or I hated cats. I like this cat enough now. Uh, but the deal was I got to name the cat, and I named the cat Carson Wentz. So I was as on board as you, if not on uh, more on board with Carson Wentz. I loved the man. I think that he and I would get along great. I think we would be great friends. Dude. Um yeah, we're, we're friends, actually. I'll be honest. I, I don't know if me and Carson Wentz will get along. No, I don't think so. Well, you guys like guns. He's a very nice guy. Though. He is so sweet, He's but, you know, nice. do you believe in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? I mean, that's that's where it comes down and you know. Not a big religion guy. Okay? Yeah, so I don't know if, if Wentz and I, you know, I, I would think we'd be friends. But, you know, I don't think that a friendship uh, with me and Carson right now uh, – is worth $128 million. And that's and that's kind of where I stand in the whole Carson Wentz situation. I think that uh, we are sitting here talking about 2017 as his ceiling. And I think that, yes, maybe 2018, I was not impressed with Carson Wentz. I think you ended up in a situation where uh, you had your backup come in again and take a team that was talented and optimizes that talent and won three games beat Chicago in Chicago, and then you went into New Orleans, and you are not an Alshon Jeffrey drop away, but a Zach Ertz drop away from being up 21-0 and winning that game, probably in a laughable fashion, and going back to the Rams, who you own. Let me interject for one second here, because I think it's interesting that you bring up 18. Uh, In 17, the mythical year that you think he'll never get back to, he had a 60% completion uh, percentage, right? The average throw was seven and a half yards. He was 33 and seven. He had a 101.9 QBR. In 18, he had a 69% completion percentage, up 10%, right? Through just barely 200 yards less in 18, with less games. Because, yeah, he had the back thing. He didn't come back from the knee till week four, I want to say. And then he had the back thing at the end of the year. So with less games, he threw for. Barely 200 less yards, averaged more yards per pass. He was 21 and 7, so not quite as good on the TD to INT, but 102.2 QBR. So the drop off wasn't as significant as as you would have me believe. I guess I guess that's true if you look at it on the statistics, but I don't know if the statistics tell you the same story. I'm looking here uh, in 2017. He was 64 percent. I think you may have already said this in the red zone, he was 64% for 227, uh, 277 yards. He had 23 touchdowns and no interceptions. In 2018, that drops down to 60. Jesus is not helping my argument at all. Jesus Christ. He was he was 18-1 and one for interceptions in 2018. He's, he's always been good in the red zone. And I... I got me there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> The problem is this this conversation isn't about stats. You can make stats say whatever you want. If I were to take Jalen Hurts 
rookie stats, which were bad because he was a rookie on a bad team, it wouldn't be fair. It wouldn't make sense. In the same way, if I took Carson Wentz's 2020 stats, where it was the worst year of his career, the fifth year in, he was on a terrible team that was unhealthy. At one point, it was him and Jason Kelsey from the starting from the starting offense. They were the only guys. I mean, you lost... Lane Johnson was going for the majority of the year. Your left tackle was going Jason Peters. Uh, it's arguable if that was even a bad thing. Jordan Mailata turned out to be a very good player. Brandon Brooks, the right guard, was going. Alshon Jeffrey was going for most of the year. Deshaun Jackson was going for most of the year. Marquise Goodwin, who you signed, didn't play because of COVID. So you were playing with a rookie, Jalen Rager, who, by the way, was gone for a little while. You were playing with Travis Fulgham, who I uh, think might be the truth, but we'll see. Greg Ward, all these guys that were like, and I know we love them and we lift up these guys and all, but they're not... They weren't the guy that we needed. You know, we needed J.J. Arcega-Whiteside to pan out. Mm -hmm. We needed him to get coached and be a good player. And it just, it didn't happen. And again, if you if you agree with me that Doug is a big part in player development and not being good enough for the J.J. Arcega-Whitesides of the world, then you have to consider that that same effect could have taken place on Carson Wentz. And in 17, when we saw his ceiling that a new coaching staff and a new quarterback's coach and yada, yada, yada may be able to get us back to even a percentage of that. If he's 80 or 90% of the player that he was in 17, we can make a run. Well, I I, I do see your point that, that I don't think anyone here will, and, and by here I mean you and me, I don't think anyone will sit here and say, uh, raw talent-wise, uh, Carson Wentz is, is a quarterback you would turn your nose up at and want to trade. And I don't think you would say the same thing about Jalen Hurts, and you probably would take Carson Wentz in a vacuum. But the problem is we're not in a vacuum. We're in a situation where Carson Wentz is not mentally, in my opinion, the guy that he thought he was in 2017. And you say that he has been the best at what he's been since peewee football. Carson Wentz played... Division two football, and he was the best. He was dominant. He beat up on lesser talent. Now, my personal opinion, I, I loved Carson, but I look at these stats. I see what Jalen Hurts was in college, and all Jalen Hurts did was put together, as a freshman, a 23-9 and season, a 17-1 and season. In 2018, when he was benched for Tua Tagatolova, he put up 8-2. and Let's throw that out because he did not play, but... Mentally tough enough to sit behind the guy who's going to get projected as the number one overall pick and sit there, come in in the semifinal game in the national championship and outright win it for you. Then in 2019, he moves to Oklahoma and he puts up 32-8 and eight and he's second in Heisman voting. We're not giving up Carson Wentz for some guy off the street. He's not a jag. He is a stud that we should let develop into being the player that we think he can be. I have 32 million reasons why I don't want to sit here and pay Carson Wentz one more year and find out that you're wrong. If you're wrong, we lose a $32 million bet, and then you're locked in in dead cap again next year for a similar number, probably around $30 million. So you are hinging your whole franchise, if you don't move on from Wentz, to dead money again next year. I'm here to rip the Band-Aid off and see what we have in a guy who I believe 
can be an NFL caliber quarterback. And I'm not the only person who thinks it. Looking back at some articles from the Enquirer, uh, as well as uh, SB Nation from Adam Seitz and AJ Smith, Jalen Hurts impressed a lot of people when he was in the Senior Bowl. He had the highest average initial speed on his throws, better than Justin Herbert, who I think a lot of people think Justin Herbert is going to be a successful quarterback. Yeah, beast. Yeah, he's. I mean, I love Justin Herbert. I I I almost started collecting cards just because Justin Herbert was that damn good, and I wanted Justin Herbert rookie card. A lot of people think that we reached for Jalen Hurts, but I'm seeing articles where people say his pro day was so good that he was going to become a second-round talent. He was somebody that people believed that he helped his stock so much by the way that he played in the Senior Bowl and the way he played in the Combine that he was good enough to be a second-round quarterback. I know the Eagles definitely shouldn't have made that pick. There's probably arguments to be made that they really screwed themselves. But you did pick a quarterback in Jalen Hurts who's been through the same thing that Carson Wentz has been through showed the mental toughness needed to win championships, and in turn walked out of a 2017 season, I believe, into 2018, sat behind Tua, and in 2019 he came in second in Heisman votings for for Oklahoma. The guy's a stud, and I think that he has, and I, I hate to be the person making the argument about it factor, but I see a scenario where I can picture Jalen Hurts holding the Lombardi Trophy. I think we all can sit here and picture the new hot quarterback, Jalen Hurts, cutting up the league next year, throwing the ball to Jamar Chase, escaping defenders, doing things that right now, for better or for worse, Carson Wentz just doesn't have the athletic ability to do after that injury in 2017. And, uh, you know, I love my cat, and I'm glad to rename him. Jalen Hurts at the first opportunity as soon as this trade goes through because I think Jalen Hurts is not only good enough to carry a franchise, but he will carry the Eagles to probably a better, you know, I've made bets on this with friends, probably a better season than Carson Wentz is going to put together if he goes to the Bears. Harder argument for the the Colts. I think the Colts have have a good enough team to probably win. They won 11 games last year. Dude. I'm, I'm just saying I think that the Colts are in a win-now mode, but if I look at moving Jalen Hurts versus Carson Wentz next year, I have more faith in Jalen Hurts because I don't know what I'm getting with Carson Wentz anymore. And I don't think anybody can sit here and say, we think he's going to go back to 2018 and we think he's going to go back to 2019. We really don't know. And that's my biggest fear because you have so much money tied to this man, and even if you have a dead cap hit in 2021 – you get that off your books next year. It's a very, very scary gamble both ways, but I'm in the position that I'd rather be sitting here with salt on my shoulder and Jalen Hurts than another year of broken Carson Wentz and another $30 million cap hit. I think that's fair. I just think you're maybe taking some liberties about uh, what you expect out of Jalen Hurts. I mean, if if we're being honest, I mean, what did you see out of him last year in the NFL that really made you feel so confident that he's going to be the dynamic Super Bowl winner that you that you think he's going to be. I mean, we we have already established in your mind everything that Carson Wentz did wrong in 2020 was not his fault. It was a broken offensive line. We're we're sitting here making excuses for him, and then Jalen Hurts comes in. We beat the Saints. Whether you whether you want to throw that out or not, we beat 
the team that went to an NFC uh, NFC divisional round. A very good team in the Colts. Or a very good team, excuse me, in the Saints. And then you sit here and you turn around and you go into Arizona and all he did was throw for like 300 yards, run for another 100, and take what a lot of people thought was the best new young quarterback in the league and went toe-to-toe with him. Then you have the Dallas game where you don't dress an extra receiver because you have Deshaun Jackson coming back. You throw an absolute dime to him. You go up 10 nothing, maybe 14 nothing again. I've had seven natty lights. I'm not here for the stats to that degree. But I will tell you that I think we all were feeling, oh my gosh, he's doing it again. Another backup quarterback has come in here and taken this team and brought them to the next level. So Dallas game unfolds the way it does. You get the life choked out of you because you lose the talent on the outside with Deshaun Jackson. You lose that game, and then you go into Washington. And quite frankly, if there's any game I'm going to throw up last year, I want to throw up and throw out that Washington game because I think everybody knows that that game was let's get number six. Yeah, that's a hard game to uh, that's a hard game to even. Yeah, I don't. I, I think you throw that out and you just say you know I hate everything about that game. Uh, I'm really happy I passed out at halftime. Um, but that being said, I, I I just feel that Jalen Hurts in the two games and 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 you have this up here, and I'll, I'll look at at uh, the game versus. Green Bay came in at halftime. I'm not going to really talk about that. New Orleans against the defense that was, at the time, the hottest defense in the league. He didn't put up spectacular stats, but you beat him. He put up a... In in what was like a quintessential trap game. Oh, of course, yes. You can can make the argument that it was a trap game, but uh, good teams win and great teams cover. And New Orleans, even in a trap game, should not have lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. But Jalen Hurts did his part to make sure that the Eagles won that game. I think you can make the argument that against Arizona, he was a pretty pretty much deserved to win that game in the same way that you could say that Kyler Murray did. He played good enough to win the game. Your quarterback put you in a position to win. You walk into Dallas, and uh, you're, you're playing a Dallas team that has been reinvigorated uh, by this mysticism that Andy Dalton is a good quarterback and they think they're going to win the division. And he went out there jumped out to an early lead, and I think uh, I would love to see in that Dallas game, if you could pull that up, how many carries Miles Sanders have. But you're going to go here, and I can make the same argument that you would make against every poor decision that Doug Peterson made and defend Jalen Hurts the same way you would defend Carson Wentz. But let's not sit here and say that Jalen Hurts didn't show you anything those games because I think he was, if not just as good as Carson Wentz, he was probably better in 2020. Gnomes, what do you want from Dim Sum Garden? I'm hungry, too. What were you saying? Listen, if uh, any food uh, place wants to sponsor us, we're not picky eaters. I, I could eat anything. I could eat I could eat ham and cheese. I could eat I could eat macaroni and cheese. Mac, mac, what's, what's the mac? What's the mac and cheese place? Mac Mart? Listen... I love you guys. Where were we? We were we were talking about how Jalen Hurts did not put up nearly as negative of a game strip game stats as you had thought in in the four games that he started. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, his season stats for he started in four games and played half of one. He had a thousand yards. That's cool. He had six touchdowns and four interceptions. Uh, he had a forty-one QBR. 
And in the Dallas game you just brought up, he was 21 for 39 with a 53% completion percentage. So, so listen, is anybody going to have their rookie quarterback throw? Uh, well, you, you didn't let him play the fourth quarter, but uh, I guess you would pace that for about 30, 30 throws against Washington, 39 throws against Dallas, 44-30, and then in half uh, for Green Bay, that was a game that was well out of hand. It was 12 throws. So clearly, I mean, we both agree that Doug Peterson is the reason that this was a terrible season. Ultimately, I think there's there's enough reason to be hopeful about Jalen Hurts that I'm not as afraid of letting Wentz walk. But if you, you but if you believe if you believe that Doug Peterson was the reason that this season was so bad as I do, then I gotta wonder why aren't you willing to go into 21 with Wentz, knowing that. He's capable. Like, you, you have to take a risk. I'd rather take a risk that leans toward, I know what I got, can I get back there, than take a risk that leans toward, shoo, geez, I sure do hope this kid can be really good. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's so silly of a comparison here, but when I think about Carson Wentz, uh, I don't know if he's going to be what you think he will be where he goes somewhere else. But at the end of the day, when someone doesn't want to be with you, uh, doesn't want to be on your team, you're never going to see what Carson Wentz can be in Philadelphia because he doesn't want to be here. I don't believe in the man anymore because he saw adversity to the nth degree year after year after year, and it it's clearly broken him as a person. I don't see him as ever being successful again unless they – organize the world around him to be perfect. And yes, maybe you're right. Maybe you let go of Doug Peterson, which the Eagles did, and then hired Frank Wright's disciple to make things work in this relationship, if you view it this way with Carson Wentz. And he still doesn't want to be here. He doesn't want to be a Philadelphia Eagle. And for that, I think you have to cut bait. I think you have to move on. I don't think he'll ever be what he was because I don't know if you can ever reconstruct someone's like you you said ego but his his mental is so broken for me he's just not the guy i thought he was and i i look at jalen hurts and i see what he does i think that's fair i think i see what jalen hurts does i hear the the reports and you know i i i spend way too much time listening to all the great content in terms of uh the philadelphia Inquirer and all these podcast that I listen to and, and hear about how Jalen Hurts is the type of guy who lives in the quarterback room, is annoying to coaches because he wants to be great. He wants to be the guy. Maybe the ceiling is in 2017 Wentz, but I really, really think at some point you just have to say, let's put our eggs in this basket. Let's see what Jalen Hurts' ceiling is because Carson Wentz is never going to hit 2017. Carson Wentz is never going to be the guy we hoped he was. And I think we live in a world where we look at him through rose-colored glasses. And I don't know if he's ever going to be the person I thought he was going to be for this city. And I think we, we, we're wasting time trying to make it work just so that we have more disappointing years maybe next year. And then you go another year and you're like, well, we've already paid the dead cap for 2021. Let's do it again. And then you've wasted four years of our lives watching a quarterback who is mentally broken. You know, um, again, like like we in the beginning of this this segment, we talked about how 
we're having two different conversations here and mm-hmm. one of them is like a hypothetical which would you rather have and the other one is the reality and you're right the reality is Carson Wentz can't be on this team in 2021 um but I think that the way we view it is just skewed like this should be somber we should be angry we should be resentful that the brass couldn't find a way to make this kind of talent stick. But yeah, he you're you're probably right. He probably has to go because of the issues. It's pretty clear. It's not an unfair take. Like I don't I don't think it's a crazy take. I just I hate to see I hate to see the Eagles organization waste good talent. It feels like I've seen it too many times. It makes me very upset. And that's, I mean, that's that's one thing that we we've touched on. You you said that there is a there is a hunger, there is a need for quarterback, and if that was so true, and if Carson Wentz was so good, and he was the guy, why aren't why isn't our phone ringing off the hook? Why are we only hearing calls from two former Wentz disciples, one of which has the draft capital at twenty with the Chicago Bears to get him, but they don't care about their draft capital because Nagy has to win now or they're screwed. And the other guy is what everyone in the world is perceiving as the quote Wentz whisperer, but they're not offering more than a second round pick. Why why isn't there demand for a man that is as good as you think he is? Because we're not geniuses and we were able to figure out that the Eagles have no leverage. The Eagles if, if they want Jalen Hurts to even have a chance of being being a success, you can't have J, you can't have Carson Wentz on the roster in 21. It, every time Jalen Hurts took a sack, threw a bad ball, threw a pick, there would be people calling for his head, and that shit counts. It resonates. They hear it. Especially in Philly, this team can't afford another quarterback controversy for the third year in a row. We can't do it. So why would I come in, guns blazing, offering a one, a two, two ones, a Matt Stafford kind of deal, when I know goddamn well at the end of the day, or at least I believe wholeheartedly at the end of the day, you're going to have to move them. All I got to do is beat Chicago. I don't have to make you make it worth it. I don't have to. If this guy was half as good as you thought he was, he would be out and moved somewhere where he would be maximized. If everyone thought that it was just Philly, if it was just Doug Peterson, if it was just our mistakes of putting not a good enough team around him, everybody and their mother would want the guy because it would be an upgrade over. There's there's an argument to be made. Now, I'm looking down here. I'm looking at uh, how much he's getting paid per year. He is getting paid more than Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, Jacoby Brissett, J- uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Stafford, Derek Carr, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, Alex Smith, and Teddy Bridgewater. All those teams are not calling for an upgraded quarterback. So there must be something, there must be a disconnect here with what you feel about Carson Wentz. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Some of those teams are calling, for, are in need of new quarterbacks and are going to pay market rate. Carson Wentz got paid market rate. That's what market rate is. If you're upset that he got paid a lot of money, you should be mad at Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and Kirk Cousins, and anybody that got a big contract in the last few years. That's what that's what you pay for a quarterback. If you sign a quarterback in 2020 or 2021, you pay big bucks. Half the teams you just mentioned are looking for quarterbacks. 
So you pay those things at quarterback, and then you sit here and you are you are going to pay that for Carson Wentz. You are going to pay market rate for Carson Wentz as if he is a quarterback that deserves the market rate right now. Because I don't think that Carson Wentz is worth the market right now. I don't I don't believe that the risk that you take to get Carson Wentz is not is worth that. And and I think that the one thing that the Eagles are doing right now is they are trying to move on from that risk because even if you're the Eagles and you hold on to him. You are taking on risk because you are going to now make your offseason not about improving Jalen Rager, not about making things work with Dallas Goddard, building your offensive line to be the most effective version. Your whole offseason is now built to fix one guy. And I just don't believe that it's worth the time and effort and money with $32 million in Carson Wentz uh, salary. You know, as much as I loved Carson Wentz and as much as I currently love Jalen Hurts. I think we are in a situation where the risk is not worth the reward of holding on to Carson Wentz. It's not a $32 million bet I want to make. And I believe enough in Jalen Hurts to be the quarterback that will take this Eagles team to being a playoff contending team and to being, I would love to see Jalen Hurts hold a Super Bowl trophy. So that, I mean, I'm already bought into it. So I, I believe in the Eagles as, as a whole. And I believe in I believe in Jalen Hurts, and I, I think it's time to move on, cut bait, and stop wasting your time trying to fix something that I don't think will ever be fixed. I want to see Jalen Hurts be successful too. We talked about it a few times. We touched on, we touched on it a few times today that he is going to be the guy in 2021. You know, I, I don't know that I'm convinced yet that he can be the guy long term. But he's going to be the starter in 2021, I'm sure, unless the Eagles do something stupid. All right, we're going to drop a, a few closing remarks here in a second. And we're back. So I think uh, wrapping up today's episode, touching on uh, 2020 as a whole and uh, the Wentz versus Hurts debate, uh, I think uh, we've kind of established ourselves as Howie Roseman apologists and people who believe in them, believe in him in 2021 and, and hoping for the best in our draft. Uh, this year and, and, and check us out on our next episode where we're going to touch on the draft as well as Sirianni's staff. Um, Before we close out, I think we should um, ask the question of the day. Question of the day today is going to be what kind of beer do you think this is? Listen closely. Wow. What do you think that was? That tastes great. Let us know. Check out our Instagram, the Philly Specialists. Um, and follow us on Twitter at at PHL Specialists. Not hard to find. Pretty easy. You could type I in retweet everything we post. We retweet everything anybody posts. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, let us know what you want to hear us talk about next episode. And uh, go birds. Go birds. Bush Thank did you. 9-11. <laughs>